Welcome to the Warm Down. Uh, this is episode 37, headline episode number five. We're doing things a bit differently today. Um, my name's Dave. I'm with Rem today. Uh, normally, we'll give you like a rundown of all the fixtures, the Premier League, and uh, identify three games to talk about. But because there's a lot of boxing content to talk about, uh, we kind of split this episode a bit to run through the, uh, this week's games that have happened, talk about the boxing as well, so a few fights and news, and also end, end the the segment on some MMA news as well. So the first place we're going to start off with is the, the football side of things. I'm uh, going to run with the first game, uh, which happened on the Saturday, was Arsenal beating Newcastle. A really good game it was for Arsenal. Uh, Bukayo Sako scored the first goal. Really lovely bit of bit of work from him to score the goal. Um, and then Gabriel Martinelli, uh, you know, what a finish. Uh, a lot of control from the, the skies and just what a finish into the back of the net. Uh, 2-0 victory, more problems for Eddie Howe and Newcastle. So but a good win for Arsenal. Um, you got anything to add there, Remy, about that game? Um, I, I didn't really see the game. Um, well, I didn't see it because I wasn't at home. But um, yeah, it just seemed like it was a comfortable victory for Arsenal. I was, I was checking on it. I'm hoping that Newcastle were going to sneak a little victory, you know what I mean? But it looked like it wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, I just want to ask you, was there any signs for you from Newcastle? Because I watched Newcastle against Brentford and mm. there was there was some positives. Obviously, a lot of negatives to concede three goals. But the positives, they scored three goals and they created chances. What, what, what did you feel on them in this game? Um, I think the first half... You've got to give credit to Eddie Howe. He set up the team quite well defensively. They kept them at bay. Arsenal were kind of struggling to kind of break through. I, I put that down to the fact that Arsenal weren't moving the ball quick enough. Uh, there wasn't a bit of urgency and they were naturally just defensively organised. But in the second half, they couldn't maintain it. There was more space on the pitch and Arsenal were moving the ball a lot more quicker and they were able to take advantage. And that's going to be a problem for Eddie Howe. You know, being able to have the players to kind of play that, def be defensively sharp, but also be in a position to take the opportunity. So they had opportunities in that game. I mean, John Joe Shelby had a great chance. Um, Wilson was... Was that was, when he hit the bar? Yeah, hit the bar there. I um, mean, that's, a, that's again, like, like I said, I mean, that's an effort from good, what, 25, 30 yards. So that, well, it wasn't, I think it was the edge of the area, but that one's not really... It's about creating opportunities, you know what I mean, in front of goal, creating chances for your striker. And I mean, I watched the highlights and I didn't really see any. I mean, there was one where Wilson went through and he went down, he yeah. went for the penalty. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lack of, lack of confidence from Newcastle. I mean, I just feel that their 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 forward players are not playing with a, with that confidence and that urgency, and it's going to take a bit of time. And the well, positives you could. The positives you could say defensively in the first half, but they, it wasn't sustainable throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, the home games, look, this game was irrelevant for them, to be honest. It's the home games and the games against teams around them. That's that's the ones. And as I said, last week's game against Brentford, if they could got a win in that game, that's massive towards the goal of staying up. Mm. But games up going away to Arsenal at this stage of the season, especially... They're, they're not going to get them victories. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it would be a shock. So, 
I, I don't think these are the games. I think their next game, and I think we'll talk about it a bit more yeah. later when we get to Norwich, is against Norwich and that type of game there. Is, it's, I mean, that's the biggest game in the season. Yeah, it's a six-pointer. Yeah, I mean, massive, more than a six-pointer, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's a contrast but, of, like I said, we'll talk about it a bit later, but it's a contrast of form at the moment. So I think form's out of the window when you when you when in these type of games. But like I said, we'll discuss it a bit later about that game. Hmm. Um, the next game's at Selhurst Park. Uh, finished Crystal Palace 1, Aston Villa 2. Really good game there. Uh, Target was on, on uh, scored the first goal. Then John McGinn scored a lovely goal on the edge of the area uh, yeah, to make it 2-0. Wrap, wrap up the win, really. Yeah. And then last, and then, uh, last minute for Gay to score on uh, half the deficit there. Another win for Steven Gerrard, man. He's mm. seems like he's getting them playing the, the bit of organization. Great away win. Mm, and and um his substitutions as well. Mm. I didn't really mention it last week, but I think that was the key thing last week in their victory against Brighton was was the subs. You know, he brought an El Ghazi. Mm. He recognised that between Ings and um, Watkins, it didn't really work. Watkins didn't really look happy out on the left. Ings wasn't doing anything. He took Ings out, took Ings off in that game. I think he brought on Bailey in that game. And, and the subs um, had an impact. And, and and just gave them that freshness what they needed. Um, he went with the, the lineup to um, for this game. He brought back in Ashley Young, who played in the more advanced position. Um, Watkins got the striker role, mm. was given a nod to take the, the main striker role, and, and Bailey started as well. Um, and then he wants to work a man midfield. Nakamba in there again, even though Louise is back, Douglas Louise. Um, he's sticking with um, Jacob Ramsey just like Dean Smith did. Mm. Maybe that's just for now and he doesn't want to change the team too much from what Smith was doing. Um, and John McGinn. Uh, so John McGinn is that standout player for Villa. Really, yes. we could go on to no disrespect to Villa, but but bigger things if they weren't to reach certain targets this season. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think with John McGinn, he's starting to kind of replicate the form that we've seen him couple of seasons ago when they first came back up he seems to have been given a, a role where he can be more expansive and be able to get in those positions to, to score goals and, and I, what I like about Gerard as well man he's not afraid to you know drop big players I mean like I said Ings is not in the didn't play yesterday mm. uh, play on, on the weekend so he's prepared to kind of change change things as and when so uh, kudos to him man he's building momentum man and listen it's early door still but yeah um with John McGinn's form as well, um, he's bringing the form that he brings to his international team because he's really influential for Scotland. Um, and already he started impressively on Gerard. So I think he's always going to be that guy anyway that's always going to yeah. give you 100% anyway. But yeah, look, perfect start for Gerard. I, I thought this would have been a tricky game. Um and, and they come through it, man, because Crystal Palace were informed. That's their first defeat at home as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we move on to the next game at Anfield. It's a demolition job. Liverpool winning four goals to nil against Southampton. Diego Jota, the man of the hour, uh, opening the scoring. And then he scored again to make it 2-0. Thiago made it three. 
uh, before half time and Van Dijk scoring against his old club to make it 4-0. Really impressive performance by Liverpool. Really put Southampton to the sword. Uh, any Anything about this game, Rem? Uh, no, just um, Thiago. Thiago is who I want to talk about. Um, his goal in the Champions League, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Un- unreal. Unreal. And um, th- I think that's, that's going to give him a lot of confidence. Um, because we haven't seen the real Tiago so far, whether it's the pace of the league that he's still getting used to and stuff, because to be honest, and I've said this about him, he's technically he's one of the best players ever that I've ever seen. He's not, he may not be a superstar, but technically, <clears throat> you want to be able to do things that he does. His touch, his passing ability, um, when he strikes a ball, it's so clean. He, he, technically, he's, he's wonderful. Does that accumulate in a fantastic football on an 11 side pitch or the standout player on the pitch? No, nah, not always. But technically, he's so sound. The outside of the boot is, is you know, even the goal that he scored um, on the weekend, the little shift onto his left foot, you know, what I mean? like he, he has that neatness about him. He has that technique about him. He's technically brilliant and... Listen, that, that title race right now is obviously we'll speak about the rest of um contenders later, but it's really, really tight up there. And they're hard to separate them. They've all got something different about them. They've all got something different about them. Um, which is gonna make it really interesting. But if if Thiago could come become influential for Liverpool, that's an extra gear for them. I really believe that. Um, do, do you do you think with Thiago? Because I know when he came in, he, he was supposed to be that creative spark and things haven't gone his way a little bit. And maybe like you mentioned about adjusting to the pace of the Premier League. Do you think now he could be a prominent role and creating opportunities? Because normally, predominantly with Liverpool, it's the wing, the wing backs are, are the ones creating the opportunity. With Thiago and the team that adds another dimension, do you think now it's an opportunity for, for Liverpool to give him a run of games? Um, look, when he's in form, he's going to be in the team. There's no doubt about that. Um, and when he's when he's showing confidence, he'll be in the team because he's that good. Is he that creative player? I, I, I wouldn't call him that. I wouldn't call him a playmaker. I just think he's that. He's that perfect centre midfielder. That perfectly unique centre midfielder. He's tenacious enough that he'll get involved in the dirty side of the game, and not the dirty side, but you know what I mean. Break up playing. Sorry, yeah, the the business side of the game. He'll get involved in, get involved in tackles and stuff. Um, and technically, he can, he could, his, his range of passing is magnificent. Magnificent. Like, he could spray a pass so he could get you from A to B real quick, especially with... Uh, Liverpool, don't, Liverpool do not complicate things. They don't. Watch Liverpool, they do very... Basic no-look passes over the top because they just know the instruction is them front three are always going to be prepared to make them runs in behind. Um, and they do that a lot. And they did one, I, I'm not sure if it ended in a goal. I think it was Henderson who does it the majority of the time, to be honest. Whenever a ball is is bouncing and, and at waist height for him, he'll just do a, 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 a lob ball over the top. Not really like pinpointing somebody out, 
just put into that space and behind. Um, and yeah, so as I said, he's a bit more deliberate. He's a lot more deliberate in everything he does. But yeah, it, as I said, if, I feel if if they can get him working, that will be huge for them, especially in them big games. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, crop sport for choice, you know, goals goes across the team, man. Going to be contenders. Um, move, moving on to Carrow Road, they finished goalless between Norwich and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Dean Smith again accumulating points. That's seven points out of a possible nine in the last three games. Norwich, for me, starting to be, be a bit more compact, look a bit threatening going forward, and it seems that Dean Smith is kind of make, uh, making a stamp on the team. And I think a key for that is bringing in back Gilmore, because I know Farker wasn't really a fan of his, but since he's brought back Gilmore, um, Aaron seems to be playing playing well, and, and, and Pookie looks a bit more prominent, and there's there's a bit of steeliness to this Norwich team, that they're not going to concede as many goals. I don't know if it's the, the rub of a new manager, but look, I think uh, Dean Smith is doing a wonderful job at the moment. They're being compact, they're organised, and they're looking at threat, and in that game, they had opportunities to win the game. I think they'll feel a bit aggrieved that they couldn't get all three points. Yeah, I, I, you know what? A, a few weeks before Daniel Farker got sacked, and I, I think I said it on here, I saw signs that Norwich was starting to to get a little closer in competition in the Premier League. Like they were playing teams and they were becoming a lot more tighter. The score lines were, were a lot lower. Um, I remember they had the, the game against Leeds. Um, we're a mistake from the goalkeeper. Sorry, cost them that game. Um, so, yeah, there were signs there anyway. Um, and then obviously they got that victory in his last game. Then he got removed. Dee Smith has come in and, and, and taken over after a win. And not many managers get that. You know what I mean? doesn't mean, it's like, but it was their first win. So it was going to mean a lot to them. Um and Dean Smith's coming, and personality-wise, I, I, I think Dean Smith can rally the troops. Do you know what I mean? I think he can get people behind him because um, I think he connects with players well. I think you saw that at Villa, at Brentford. So I did at, at the time. I thought it was a good match, Dean Smith um, and Norwich, and I think the early signs are, are, are fairly positive. As I said, they're starting to become a lot more competitive. Um, and we will see. Um, They've got like a more of a settled back four now. I mean, Hanley and Gibson at the back and, you know, even Brandon Williams, who's on loan from Man United, getting game time and Aaron's has been a bit more effective, but that Gilmore for me is the key in that position because they play a 4-1-4-1 and Gilmore there, the, the creative spark and now has got that opportunity to kind of show what he's capable of. And, They've got, they've got a chance. They've got a chance to kind of stay up. They just need to make sure they remain competitive and use their squad. And they seem up for the up for the fight. And Dean Smith has got previous, you know, getting up for the, you know, from the championship and surviving with Villa first season. They could have gone down. So these, I think for me, it's a perfect fit for them for the challenge ahead. I think, yeah, I think what's important is going to be January because of Newcastle, mm. because of what Newcastle can potentially do. I, I, I don't think they could potentially do that in great, but they can bring in numbers. Um, whether that will help in January, because you don't want to bring too many players and 
they need to gel and stuff and you need to bring players in in January. You've only got a few months left for the season, so they need to have an instant impact. If Norwich can do that with one or two players, that would be huge for them. But obviously we know that mid, there's going to be midweek games and the standout midweek game is probably, other than um, the derby, the Merseyside derby, will be Norwich versus Newcastle. Norwich go to Newcastle. Um, what, what do you feel about that? For It's more from Newcastle, I would say, because Newcastle are three points to drift. If that was to go to six points, how worried would you be? If I was if I, if I was Newcastle, I'd be very worried. I think I think Eddie Howe realised the enormity of the job after this the defeat against Arsenal. I think he's realising, looking at the squad that he has and the performance that they put out there, it's a tough ask. So it's a, it's going to be a tough ask, and if they lose to Norwich, it's going to, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult, very difficult on the form that they're in at the moment to get out of that relegation zone and and survive because there's teams in and around them that are just better at the moment. Newcastle at this point have not registered a, a win this season. And that's worrying. Yeah, I mean, at this stage, that's really worrying. And yeah, they've got... We know we spoke about Newcastle prior. We said about the money that they have. But I think with the performances they are showing at the moment, it could be even more difficult to kind of nego- negotiate and bring players in in mm. January yeah, based yeah, on the performances. Mm. Especially so, players that can make a difference. Yeah, so... We'll see with, with Newcastle. Uh, but the, the next game we're going to talk about is at, at Brighton. Uh, it was a nil-nil draw between them and, and Leeds. I'm going to ask you about Leeds United. Le- Leeds United seems to me that, again, they're, they're on the cusp of the, you know, they're outside the relegation zone. I don't know whether or not you feel that they're suffering from any second season syndrome. Uh, and obviously, I know that... Um, Phillips was hauled off in the in the second half. What what do you think the problem is at Leeds at the moment? Um, I made a massive mistake on it before, and I was talking. Sorry, like it was their third season. I don't know why I thought that, but um, yeah, they were so comfortable in their first season. Do you know what I mean? And and the second season syndrome seems a very real thing. We've seen it so many times over the years. And um, I don't know, man. Uh, they've had a... I mean, they've got ailing out, but I mean, that can't be used as an excuse for yeah. why they're struggling. I mean, he hasn't been out forever anyway. But the same players are still there. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, oh, all right, now I'm saying that. The, the main one is Bamford. Um, did I really think that Bamford could do it twice in a row? I didn't think it anyway, but he's missing. So him just not being there, he, he's not able to provide the answer to that question. Mm. Um, and they've struggled without him. They've struggled without his movement and, and stuff up front. He does miss chances. But this is the thing. Leeds are not actually creating much either. Do you know what I mean? Um yeah. And then you flip side, you go to Brighton, they create, but they could just can't score. And and Brighton is, I mean, they got booed off in it. Yeah. I don't know how much, how, how many people booed and, and stuff, but 
I mean, obviously you can see the frustration because what's that? Six, seven games now without a win? Yeah. In that run, I mean, might have one defeat. If that, yeah, one defeat. I think it was the Villa one. They drew with Arsenal, should have won. They got a point, a well and point at Liverpool. Uh, they Newcastle drew with draw. The Newcastle draw, and that could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Look, Tarek Lamptey coming back has been brilliant. Mm. He slotted in nicely back into that side. And Trotard is a fantastic player to watch. Cucurella's yeah. been impressive. Um, every time you think Pascal Gross is, is, is out of it, he's not going to return to starting lineup ever again. Yeah. He does. Um, Mope is busy up front, but is he at quality? No. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird contrast between these two teams because they, they, they were very similar. They both played really good football, good to watch, entertaining. But what Leeds were doing for years in the championship was not taking their chances and stuff. And, and Brighton are doing that right now, but obviously they're both at complete different spectrums of the Premier League right now. So obviously there's huge worries for um, Leeds, but the form of people like Harrison, who was huge mm-hmm. last season, he had a good game against us, but other than that, he's been kind of awful. Rafinha's, I mean, he came back, he, he looked rusty against um, Brighton. He did on the weekend. Dallas was yeah. was supreme last season, chipping in with goals and all sorts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's dried up. Um, but it's Calvin Phillips. No, I know. I don't know whether or not you know the heroics of being in the a part of the team with England in the Europa. You know, when you go to the final of the Euros and coming back now, he's just his form has suffered. I don't know whether or not it's, he he don't want to be there or or what. But I know Bielsa is now playing him in defence. Well, he now, did for the last couple of games. Games, it? yeah. But but you know what? You say that a lot of the English players struggled for form, mm. but I think. A bit of it is with Calvin where I, I think he does feel that probably he should move on to better things. Mm. I, I don't think there's a thing with him like where he, he had been demanding to leave or upset where I think it's a di- bit different if I compare it to someone like Tielemans. Yeah. But I think Tielemans, you can see the little frustration on him. I think Calvin Phillips will get on with his job as normal, but in the back of his mind, he's maybe thinking... I've had that taste of, look, getting to a Euro, Euro, um, Euros final. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I feel he probably having that syndrome where he feel he can play at a higher level. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, we go on to the Brentford, uh, Brentford Everton game. Brentford won. Ivan Tony scored again, uh, a penalty. Yeah, it's getting a bit worrying for, for Everton now. Yeah, it is bad. Bad eaters, but mine out. Boy. It's getting <laughs> yeah. a bit peak for These Everton fans, man, they're, they're not going to be patient. For, well, they're not patient now, but... You, know, you, you right. diss them every week, to be honest. Yeah. But right now, they, they have every right to be a bit thing. I mean, Calvin... What's his name? Calvert-Lewin, sorry. Yeah. Calvert-Lewin needs to come back. As I said, week by week, the longer yeah. and longer that they were sp- seeing him not be there the performance was getting worse and worse. Well, I see Calvert-Lewin on, on, on adverts more than I see him on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 yeah, no, no, no. 
He's on some, yeah, yeah he's a different uh, life. I right? think another, another guy just, you know, he, I'm not saying he'll go like a Deli Alley, but I think the fame's going, going yeah, to his yeah, head nah, a little nah, bit. Nah, I'm not saying that to him yet, but I hear what you're saying, but listen, he's injured, so he's not allowed to silence yeah. people like you right now, but yeah, yeah, um, they, they, they need to bounce back real quick, Everton, man. Real, real quick. They've got the Merseyside derby as well, not the yeah. greatest fixture time next as well. Yeah. Um, just before we move on to the next game, um, there was a Sunday game postponed. Uh, my club, Tottenham, were going to Burnley and we'll see in this game that we talked about, the snow was chucking down in the Leicester game. Um, but the Burnley game was chucking down and they could not clear it. Whether they didn't have technology, under under soil heating, or I don't know, or, tough I don't know, brother. I saw a Scottish game. Yeah, there was a plow on the pitch. Yeah. Where's the plow? Plow on Burnley. Oh, well, Tell me that man are that cheap. No. <laughs> I don't know. Plan. So I don't know, man. It was a bit sketchy for me. I was like, are these guys really doing enough to get to get the game? Call the um, get the game played. You know what I mean? I don't think Cornet fancied it, blood personally, blood. <laughs> I don't think Cornette fancied it, but... <laughs> anyway, 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 let's let's rinse um a Nigerian. Uh, here we go. Yeah, but listen at the um the Kim Power Stadium, an eventful game. Leicester winning four two. Madison uh got off to oh well uh, started the goal the, the goal scoring spree. Mistake from the Watford defender slotted it back in the back oh, of the net. It was horrible. Yeah, it was shambolic. No, no, it was a joke. You got to head that, clear that away, man. Just got to say, he's Nigerian as well, blood. He plays for Nigeria. I don't know about that, blood. He does. I don't know. Let's look at the lineup, blood. Was it William? Was it? I thought it was Adam, blood. No, no, it wasn't. Was it was Adam, blood. No, it wasn't. You're a joke. It was him, trust me. He used to play for Tottenham. Oh, that says it all, blood. Says it all, blood. That Tottenham syndrome is running through, running through the Nigerian DNA, blood. Nah, it was blood. a shocking mistake, but um, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, this is the second goal from Vardy. Great finish, man. The defender should have done better, man. Should have cleared that away, but it was again great finish from Vardy. The third goal, um, across in the box. Wait, hang then... on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You've missed out, Josh King. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, Josh King. Yeah, that's important there. Yeah, a bit of information there. Josh King uh, equalized. made it equalised, but let, we go back a bit, blood. Um, Dennis was uh, getting into the box and a fellow Nigerian <laughs> intercepted. <laughs> so, uh, you could call it a, a, a little piece thing, or I don't know what you want to call it. Indeed, he looked like he handed in that penalty, but either way, King dispatched it in the back of the net. Was it snowing uh, by that point? Uh, I think it was, yeah, I think it was snowing at that I point. I can't remember. Yeah, go on. And then Vardy good made penalty, it. Good penalty, though. Good penalty. Yeah, slotted it in really well. Yeah, nice. And then Vardy scored again uh, to make it three uh, one. Header of the back of the the back of his head looped into the back of the net. Uh, oh, good header. Madison's corner. Right? Madison's cross. Yeah. yeah, good assist from Madison. And then my boy, my boy, Emmanuel Dennis. Good finish to make it three two. Look like Watford are in the ascendancy, trying to come back into the game. And another fellow Nigerian man just raiding Nigerian Nigeria right now. <laughs> Abadona Lookman. Put the game beyond doubt for Leicester City to win it 4-2, man. Good win for Leicester, man. Good bounce back. coming into a bit of form now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's well, he's back got, on the pitch at least. And now, yeah. I mean, what's that? How many got assists did he get? Uh, Three? He got, he got two assists. Two. 
Yeah. Look, yeah, it's good to see Madison back on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, after the the loss last week, you know, I think Brendan kind of needed that, that that three points get the confidence up. And Madison, you know, I think this season he's, he's kind of plateaued a little bit, uh, hasn't been up to the standards. And I don't I know whether not. That, I think it was that Arsenal move. Yeah, I, don't I think know, he believed the reports, brother, and, and wanted that move. Yeah, Leicester shut the door real quick, but. Yeah, it's good to see Vardy again amongst the goal scoring. Still at his age, man. It's, it's impressive to see how he's still scoring goals and being competitive for Leicester, man. And hopefully, for Leicester's uh, point of view, that, that you know this could be the start of a, a good run for them. Uh, and Watford, I'd say that not to be too dishearten- disheartened. I know their performance last week against Man United, they were competitive, but Leicester were the better team. Sorry, my cousin just texted me and said she got COVID. Oh, it's peak blood. It's and I was with it. I was round there on Saturday, blood. It's all peak. But I, I feel Chris, so I don't think I got it. But anyway, sorry. I don't know why yeah, the world needs to know that. <laughs> COVID's, COVID's running running wild like like Hulk Hogan back in the day, blood. It's it's peak right now. <laughs> uh but the uh anyway, anything to add about the Watford? Um nah, not not really, not really. Look, the the one thing they are scoring kind of goals, isn't it? Scoring a few goals. Got the confidence. It's nice to see King and amongst the goals, and also they've got that partnership going up front. I, I, I told, I told you, I told you when I watched when Watford came to Spurs. Mm. I know it was a different manager and stuff, but I, I was like fairly impressed with that front three. I thought that front mm. three could cause people problems. I mean, Sarah's he has. I mean, he scored against you. Did he play this game? So look at the line. If he did play, he was really quiet. Yeah, no, he didn't. Nah, another one who didn't fancy the snow. Uh, yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't fancy the snow, blood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the next game is at the Etihad, where the snow was was really bad. But Man City scraping a two-one victory against West Ham. Not about scraping, bro. But it's a West yeah, Ham. The scoreline in the in the end looked a bit close, yeah. but from the highlights I saw, it looked like. Yeah, West Ham gave a good account of themselves. But the first goal was from Incar, good one. Um, and then Fernandinho scoring to make it 2-0. And then ooh, a rocket from Lanzini to make yeah, it 2-1. Goal, bro. Tremendous. What did you think of um, the performance by Gundogan? I thought Gundogan had a really good game, very you know influential. What? I can't say because I didn't watch it. I, yeah. I didn't watch it, bro. I was in I had a peak headache, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, on um thing, so I watched your game, which yeah. we're gonna talk about next. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see the game. Um, but good one is that. Uh, listen, this is City. This is what they do. They rotate the team so mm. much. And some guys you haven't seen for about three weeks, and they come in and they just appear on the score sheet, and then you think, oh shit, he's their best player at the moment. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? It kind of rotates a lot. And good one has stepped up for for them when they've not had um. De Kevin De Bruyne obviously this season the stand-up player has been Bernardo Silva he's been world class um, but yeah. yeah if they can get Gundogan in uh, that's where I think City needs to stop making so many changes mm. just just. I mean obviously Gundogan got injured early on in the season got injured against us I remember right at the end of the game um, I don't want to but where's your boy Jack Listen, he's got. Uh, he, he, I don't know whether or not he's is he on the bench. He was on the bench. 
Listen, he's got he's got off off the field antics, blood. He needs to sort out first before he gets back <laughs> on the pitch, blood. Don't know whether it's an in between a one week blood or or a freaking Love Island of the next blood. So he needs to sort the sort the thing out. But this is the too many distractions, blood. Man, start thinking you're David Beckham and people get guessed about you and kids start copying your hairstyle. It gets to your head, blood. Then yeah. girls start liking you, think you're a superstar, and you just get the biggest movie of your career, and and you made it. Yeah, he's got to live a. He's got to live know, a life like a monk. It's still early in his career, so I, I don't want to yeah. diss him because I always yeah. feel like I, I jump on Jack Grew sometimes. But um, yeah, he just needs yeah, a good publicist. Yeah, go on. Go on. I was going to say, he just needs a good publicist, keep his head down, and live his life like a monk, blood. That's all he needs to do, blood. <laughs> yeah, but he ain't got it. So yeah, it's peak blood. Yeah, it is what it is. But at Stamford Bridge, it finished one-one. Surprising to many. Uh, uh, mistake from Jorginho. It was a punt from Tellez, like a rugby kick to the Tellez. Uh, Jorginho was the last one back. And there you go, Sancho. It was Sancho and Rashford on, onto it. Sancho weren't going to square it to, to Rashford. But... Do you know what? I, I was confused because at one point I was thinking, what is Rashford doing? Like he looked offside. And I was yeah. like, this guy, he can't pass it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rashford kept, compo- um, Sancho, sorry, kept composed and gave him the uh, old shimmy, shimmy. The shimmy there. Look, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Borussia Dortmund days. Looks like that. That's 73 millions uh, coming coming to fruition at the moment. Jesus but, Christ, but the guy ran in 50 yards from goal, clean in. So, listen, about. he's playing in the right position now. You know, that, only held him back, blood. But that's another, look, it is what it is. But, uh, Juan Bissaka made a mistake. He kicked. He, uh, yeah, I think website in the box. Uh, kicked one. Uh, who did he kick again? It was um, um, Thiago. Thiago, yeah, kicked Thiago, yeah. and then redemption for Jorginho. Nice penalty. Could have won the game at the, at the end of it. Rudiger yeah. missed a glorious opportunity. Yeah, but I mean, people have to remember he's a fucking defender. Yeah, but. Shidia uh, took stickers. it down. Shidia took it down. He probably should have took it down. If he could try to take it down, and would have given him. He had a little more time than he than he thought he did. Yeah, he just smashed the volley. It was going to be hard to finish it. Yeah. Team of Werner, though, man. Jesus Christ, that guy can't <laughs> get a barn door, bro. Uh, yeah. It's it's worrying. It's worrying, man. Yeah, his. It looks like he's, he struggles, man. <laughs> I know he's just come back from injury, but. It's just Werner by name, Werner by nature at the moment, man, for him. He's just not firing yeah. at all, man. But what, what did you think of um, of Carrick and the, the, the lineup that he set up against Chelsea? Um, yeah, I was speaking to you about it before the game. I mean, look, Maguire was missing, so he started... Um, Good for that. He started Eric Bailly with, with Lindelof. Um. He put Tellez in. I don't know if Shaw was there. I don't know what was wrong with Shaw. I think he's, I think he's concussed at the moment. Or he's out. He's out of the team anyway. Wamasaka, usual at right back. He he went with a, as I was saying to you, like a worker man midfield mm. with Fred, Matic, and and, and uh, McTominay. He kind of played Bruno as the false nine. That's how I saw it anyway. Yeah. And then Rashford and and, and Sancho, you know, the, the the pinpoint of the attack from wider yeah. areas can come in especially Rashford and and Sancho to be fair to him he, he is comfortable in that inside right position mm. like even though he's right footed which is kind of seen as rare because you just say oh come in from your left hand side do you know what I mean cut in from the left but he, he can kind of 
do that well considering he's right footed, but um, so he doesn't play so wide. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Look, why not try and come up with a game plan? And look, did the game plan work? I mean, you could argue it did because you came away with a point. Should you have come away with a point? No, no, but yeah. I mean, look, first 15 minutes, 20 minutes, they had chances and they didn't take them after that. Can't really say they had too many huge chances. I mean, my man hit the bar, Rudiger in the second half. Werner had that. Yeah, that was in the first half, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, should have scored. And the second half, I think Loftus Cheek had a good chance with the header, Mm. but he hit shoulder, terrible technique. And then Werner had that volley. Um, To be honest, I thought, um, what's his name? Jimmy. Jimmy was in the studio in it for Sky. Yeah. Oh, Hasselbank, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought he was a bit harsh on Werner, to be honest, with that volley situation. You saw what he was trying, he just didn't get it right. I mean, um, but him, yeah, right now the patience with him is a bit slim. But yeah, I mean, look, it worked at times. I mean, especially when you tried to press, especially if Wambasaka went forward, McTominay slotted into centre-back and, and gave him that cover, made it free centre-back. So... That was that was nice to see some some uh, something that you've worked on and, mm. and, and uh, I, a clear idea from the coach and stuff. That 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 was good. Um, so uh, uh, it might shock you, but I, I thought McTominay had a really good game. I, I knew you was going to say that. Uh, McTominay was, you know, especially like you mentioned when he, he slotted to the back, very reminiscent of when when he plays for Scotland because he played, he plays there centre back. He looks very comfortable and he's okay distributing the ball out. But yeah, has Fred, that third centre back on the right hand yeah. side as well. Do you know what I mean? Fred, I think this pressing, I think, is going to suit Fred. And obviously, obviously, the news has obviously broke about Ratnik coming in, and you know he's all about that that press. And I think the one that could benefit from that is Fred. Fred has that ability to kind of press and get into that position. And I think over time, I think when Ratnik was able to kind of work the formation, I think it will suit Fred. He had a glorious opportunity, you know. It was, uh, oh, shocking. Uh, shocking, but I knew shocking. when it came to, it came to Fred. Guy, yeah. Wrong guy, <laughs> bro. Uh, had it gone to Sancho or Rashford, it could have been a different story, but... Yeah, I'm yeah. going to ask you, sorry, I'm going to ask you about Ranjit in a sec yeah. um, and your opinion on it and how you feel with the future and the plans mm. and stuff. But, um, yeah, I just want to say, like, weirdly enough... Oli went and you've turned uh, from the signs that I've seen you turned back into the Manchester United that Oli kind of started with where you're, you're you're sitting a lot deeper and I think that helps Fred mm. because I think it, it, it it's not Fred too much in possession obviously it's not going to work against everybody and when you have played and that's where maybe with with the new coach coming in it can help you be better against the the, the shitter teams because I think that's where you have your problem because I don't think you really have that style of play to play against the shitter teams. You have the style of play which usually pull out points against the big teams Yeah, because you were setting up kind of defensively and on the counter-attack, you can cause problems for teams and I think midfield-wise, it suits your midfielders a lot better not being on the ball and actually just concentrating on winning the ball back. And then not having to complicate things and just straight get ready for a counterattack. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that, that's what I'm gonna say on that. But um, yeah, Radnick. Um, 
He's been announced as your interim now. The the interim interim, the main one. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on the plan? Because he's gonna. I mean, they keep saying consultancy role. They, they haven't called it director of football. They haven't called it anything. But for two years, he said he wouldn't join unless he was promised that. So for two years after his after his season's done, he's going to slip into a consultancy role. What what do you feel about these plans? I know initially last week I mentioned that, you know, we, we want to get a, we should go down the road again, a, a permanent manager. Unfortunately, the guy that we wanted, initially we're looking at, you know, Poch, we tried to, well, I don't know. I don't know how, how much truth is in it. We kind of tried to negotiate with PSG. PSG firmly said no. I think United from then said, okay, we'll go down the route of an interim manager. And Ratnik, for me, was the ideal man. But And, I, and the fact that he's this consultancy role, which I think for two years would be a sporting director, someone, that, someone that's going to be upstairs and be in charge of all the footballing, um, yeah, that's decisions and stuff. That's that, that's that's what we need. We've needed that because it's for for years we've relied on guys like Ed Woodward, Stephen Arnold. They're just not been good enough, and we need someone that knows about football. And I know that there's been a study being done from from uh, about Ratnik two years ago. Uh, I think the one of the directors went over there to Leipzig and was watching him. So this is not something that's just come out of the blue. Man United have looked at him and are impressed with his style and, and his tactics. But it's a step in the right direction. With Ratnik coming in, he's going to be able to show that we've got, we got some form of an identity and a way to play. And, and I think that's something that's been missing from Man United. And I, what I like about it the most is that we're kind of slowly getting away from this Manchester United DNA. Because I think it's a failing from the board, failing from people around the club that we're so fixated with the past. It was great that we won so many trophies and so many, you know, massive accomplishments, but we need to kind of move away into the modern modern world. And we're far, we're far behind teams like Liverpool, City and Chelsea. So having Ragnik in there, I'm not saying automatically it gets us there, but in terms of in the real world, playing, you know, modern football where the, where the press is so important, it's a step in the right direction. And he and he'll give us that. And it'll be interesting to see his, uh, certain players, you know, how they respond to that. Because already now, I know you mentioned this before, um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, how he's affected by this. Because Ragnick has gone on on record saying that, you know, not really a player that he fancies. But now he's in the situation. It's going to be interesting to see how he incorporates a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo and other players. You know, Luke Shaw's been mentioned as well. So it's, exci- it's more it's exciting. It seems as a step in the right direction and it's the first time in a long while that Man United have made the right logical decision and it's all it's been about making Man United better on the, from a football perspective so it's a positive fixtures right. um, let's just go through fixtures that are coming up um, tomorrow which will be Tuesday the 30th of November we have that that relegation six pointer that we were talking about. Not um, Newcastle at home to Norwich, and also on Tuesday is Leeds at home to Crystal Palace, and then on Wednesday there's six games: Southampton versus Leicester, Chelsea go to Watford, West Ham entertain Brighton, Wolves at home to Burnley, Aston Villa versus Manchester City. And 
also the Merseyside derby, Everton at home to Liverpool. And then on Thursday, there's just two games. Um, Spurs-Brentford. And um, Randick should be in charge for this one. Manchester United at home. I, I believe that Carrick's going to be in charge until his visa issue has been resolved. So Carrick might be in charge in that game. So oh, yeah, issue. true. It's, it's, it's only a few days. Um, still, yeah, could be. Never know. Conte got his for the European game. So maybe, maybe he'll get it if you move yeah. quick enough. Um, let's go on to boxing now. Um, we was going to do a single episode for for the Crawford Porter recap, and um, we'll just have a quick recap. Um, Crawford beat Porter by 10th round stoppage, was it? Yeah, 10th round uh, stoppage. Yeah. Um, and Porter retired after you were talking about Crawford and you wanted to see him step up the levels. Yeah, um, he did, and did he impress you with his performance? Yeah, like I mentioned before, you know, I'm what I was looking for in Crawford was a a step up. This is this uh, this fight against Portal was the ideal opponent for step up because I was very critical of, of Crawford because his resume, you know, the opponents that he had is less to be desired. Not taking anything away from him. From um, that attribute point of view, I think he's accomplished a lot. You know, he's a free weight world champion, uh, undisputed at 140. But I just wanted that at 147. I wanted him to fight a guy of substance, and Porter was that guy. And I, what he's shown to me in that fight was great intelligence, great poise. His movement was fantastic, and his, his ability, his switch hitting, it was fantastic. And you've got to give kudos to Porter, man, because Porter had that kind of calculated aggression. Because at, at times where he was lunging in, he was a smaller man. And on the inside work, he was landing them shots. It wasn't big shots, but it was point scoring shots to the point where, you know, he was leading to some extent. But Crawford stepped up the level, especially, I think, I don't know if you remember round nine when he was in the corner and he was speaking to, I think it was um, Bradley. I uh, was looking at one of the, announcers and they said that you're but he was behind on points and he couldn't he couldn't believe that he was behind on points so he I, stepped I've heard about this I, have, I haven't seen yeah. it I've recorded the fight and I just yeah. never had time to watch it um yeah he, no, he I heard about that though yeah and he couldn't believe that he was behind on points and there's an argument to suggest that he was behind on points because Porter was landed more of the telling blows he was especially the inside work that what Porter was doing the aggression it was it was a good end to end fight, but Crawford man he stepped up the gas. He was throwing shots, using his left hand a bit more, and he put him down. And you know it was a bit controversial for for Porter because obviously his dad, after seeing that, decided to you know bring the towel in. Something that he said afterwards that he hasn't spoke to, had that conversation with his dad, but his dad felt that you know it was going to end badly, and Crawford was about to finish him. Uh, Crawford's one of those guys, you know, when he gets a man in that type of position, he will finish him. Yeah, he's got a reputation of it. Um, but in terms of uh, Porter, it's a fantastic fight. He's fought literally everyone at welterweight. You know, the guys like Errol Spence, guys like Ugas, guys like Garcia, Thurman, Kel Brook. Mm. You know, he's, he's fought literally everyone. And um, I think he's had a really good career. I mean, two-time 
welterweight champion. He gave Errol Spence a, a nightmare. And look, these two these two know each other, Crawford and, and Port. But you know, behind the scenes, they're best friends. They're like really close friends. And yeah. I don't know if you I don't know if you know about this. Um, in the amateurs, Porter beat Usyk. Huh? Yeah, he beat, he beat Usyk in the, in the amateurs. It's crazy because... Uh, oh, to, yeah, yeah Porter, Porter beat Usyk in the, in, in the amateurs, considering the, the weight difference. Um, and he still small. Yeah, he's small, compact. Listen, you know, he's had a good extensive amateur background. Really good, humble guy, man. He knows his boxing. Very clever individual. Look, uh, there's nothing left for him. At the, you know, he's, he's been world champion. And he, I know he does... Um... He's got Analyst his podcast. Work. He does analyst yeah. work as well. Yeah. In it. So, yeah, he was slipping to that role, which is good for him, man. Yeah. It's a time to stop, isn't it? There's a time yeah. to stop. And... You didn't want to be a, go- a gatekeeper. I know that guys like Conor yeah. Ben was calling him out. Yeah, and... and then you don't want to go and lose some people like Conor Ben. Yeah. I'm not saying so... he would have, but there's no point even yeah. dropping yourself to to that. Just just step away if, if you've got positions. Yeah. Um. Talking about stepping away, Crawford has stepped away from top rank. Um, what next? I think it's the best thing for Crawford because I feel like Bob Aaron and top rank have, have kind of held him back from the big fights. And and, and it's, it's funny that because obviously that Bob Aaron was talking after the fight and he said, you know, after Crawford beating Porter, he said the next fight for him should be Josh Taylor. And what does Crawford get from fighting Josh Taylor? Josh Taylor's at 140. He's undisputed. This guy's just beating Sean Porter. The next fight should be guys like Ugas, who's a WBA welterweight champion, or Errol Spence. So I think it's time, you know, I think Crawford should look to sign with Al Heyman, PBC, where all the other champions are at, and look to make unification matches, fights with, with those guys. How uh, I know Ugas, for one, he's kind of um, in a bit of a predicament because WBA have called their mandatories and they've got like a mini tournament going on. So he's kind of out of the equation, the guy who beat Pacquiao. And I don't know how how soon it will be for Errol Spence to accept that fight against Crawford. I know there's, there's been talks about Furman, but Furman has come out and said that he wants uh, to fight him in eight months' time and that's no good for Crawford. So it's all up in the air, but I think I love Crawford... Furman. Yeah, Furman's just been... He's still upset from the Pacquiao defeat two years ago, man. He hasn't yeah, fought he anyone. get over that, bro. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, you know, Virgil, uh, Virgil Ortiz, oh, you know, he's he's an up, a promising individual. He's quite ranked highly in the WBO, the, Crawford, the title that he's got. Crawford has talked about going up to 154, but it's stacked in that division because Castagna and... Um, and Charlo fought to a draw, and they're gonna fight at some point. So, all the all the titles are are, are there. So, it's it's a bit of a limbo for for Crawford at the moment to see who's who's gonna be available to to fight him. But um, maybe Virgil Ortiz could be the the one. But listen, Crawford will take time with his team to decide. The, the, the promotional move is gonna be the the, the next best yeah, thing for him at the moment. That's the next. The next step. step. Take, yeah. Definitely. Um, let's go to. Tiafimo this the last weekend versus Cambosos Jr. Um, and Tiafimo Lopez lost, was it three, four belts he had? Was he undisputed? No, nah, so this is this the problem. Nah, he's he's unified. He, he'll say he'll say he's undisputed, but he's, he's but unified. He needed, he needed one more, innit? Yeah, Haney's got the WBC yeah, title, yeah. he's got the franchise. <clears throat> so yeah, Tiafimo 
after getting that win against um, Lomachenko, some people class as pound for pound best, um, had a while out of the ring, and this this fight got delayed a couple times. Yeah, against Cam Bursos Junior. Um, very fr- heated, very heated yeah. press conference. Yeah. We know fucking Tiafimo's dad's a knob. Well, I think he is anyway. I think he's a fucking idiot. Um, yeah. He was giving all the talk and all the, son, you better knock this guy out and all the shit, yeah. But um, stepping into the guy's gym and getting in beef with his dad. And, yeah. yeah, his dad put, um, him to, put, put him to rights, man. So Lopez lost, what was it, split decision? Which is shocking in itself. Yeah, I mean, one judge gave... What did you, but, what did you feel on the fight? The way I thought it was going to go. As soon as this fight got announced and after Cambosis Jr. beat uh, Lee Selby to be uh, mandatory for the IBF, I thought it was going to be a hard night's work for Timofeev. Listen, it's a brilliant performance against Lomachenko, but he's gone off the rails. Since that Lomachenko victory, it's gone to his head. Listen, he's a massive lightweight, massive lightweight. And reports that, you know, a lot of cancellations, I mean, Thriller were the ones who are going to promote it. Yeah. And then funding whatever so the next the next best thing was uh match room eddie Hearn picked it up resurrected it i just don't think timotheo t- took cambosis cambosis jr seriously um everyone everyone around uh, in and around boxing even in the lightweight division that said that he's going to knock out knock out cambosis after three rounds i didn't think it was going to be like that cambosis for me got in his head and he lost that for me uh theo uh, Lopez lost that fight before he got in the ring because he got into his head, and his his mind was not on the his mind was going up to one forty and fight Josh Taylor. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be in his eye a two time undisputed champion. I think he should have vacated the belt instead of fighting Cambosis. But Cambosis, man, he, great great fight, man. He, he took the fight round by round, and Lopez came started the fight like a ball in a china shop. He wanted to take his head off. I don't know whether or not it's a pressure because he's the home fighter. He looked to take his head off in the first round, Cambosis, even in the art of war, man. He was so cool, calm, and collected. But also, also the talk, the talk before the fight. You, yeah. You, was... when, when you start saying to the other guy, listen, I'm going to knock you out. I'm mm. going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. Then you have in your head, I need to do this now. Mm. Just beating this guy ain't good enough. I need to put this guy to sleep. And, um, like Teofimo relies a lot on his power, but he lies, relies on being calculated mm. in that power. And he got knocked down in the first round. Mm. He got he scored a knockdown back later on. But yeah, man. I mean, I, I didn't see the fight. I didn't see the fight like that. Um he, he, I did want to watch yeah. it, but I, yeah. I just couldn't at that time. I just couldn't stay up. Lopez Lopez did not respect Cambosis one bit but when he got knocked down in the second round he realised from that point on oh shit I'm in for a long long night because Cambosis was calculated one thing I liked about Cambosis in the ring that he was very cool calm and the combination you know people question whether or not this guy can box he can box he can do everything and he's got the power as well he's been he's been sparring guys like Pacquiao for years yeah 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 Pacquiao um Shouted him out, and like yeah. congratulating him, man. He was like, "To Pacquiao, thanks for the rounds, man. Yeah, you definitely helped me get to where I've got to." But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Lopez is not a good boxer, but he relies a lot on power because he's, as you say, he's a big guy. He's yeah, a he big like guy. He looked like a welterweight on that, that night. 
he, he's a big guy and and, and Kabosa, he, he took it. And and you know, like Loma, Loma, Loma took it. Loma just was a bit scared. That that's why I see. I shouldn't say scared, but I think he was too worried. I think he got caught early on, and I think he was a bit worried to engage. And only after about six rounds did he think, "Fuck it, I have to engage now." Yeah. And then he started to win rounds. And if he had done it earlier, he probably would have won a fight. Yeah. Um. But it, it didn't work out like that. And and Combos, Combosos, he, he he took it. He he took yeah. the shots. And when you rely on that power and that guy's still there, you need to show something else. And when your head is constantly on, I have to knock this guy out, you, you can't just rely on that. Do you know what I mean? He, he wilted under the pressure, man. Look, Cambosis got in his head. He said to him, look, you know, they had the, the you know, the, the issues before the fight. And Cambosis throughout, you know, he was in the gym. He was diligent. He was sparring bigger guys because anticipating that, you know, Lopez is a big, strong unit. Mm. So he was able to not only just box beautifully, but was when it was time to engage, he was there and he was winning some of the some of the, some of the exchanges. He was very comfortable, especially from round four to seven. It was total Cambosis just dominating the double jabs, the the the, the, the movement, the footwork. You know, he was having Lopez in, in stitches. It was only well until, you know, I think Lopez towards the back end of the fight, like, you know, I think rounds nine and ten, he started to come back and he put, he put him down. Looked like it was a bit of a mini recovery. But Cambosis, you know, caught, you know went back to the corner. His, his team told him, look, you know, just go back to what you're doing, the fundamentals. Establish the jab. And I think that was a key element of the fight. So, so, he won quick, so sorry, quickly, um, <clears throat> before we move on to the next thing, what next for both of them, just quickly? Look, what would you like be... to see Lopez do? Move up. He has to move up. He has to move up. There's, there's no. He can't make one three four three five no more. Um, <laughs> Cambosos. Cambosos. I think the next logical fight is is De- uh, Devin Haney. You think he should go straight towards that, not someone in between that? Because there's no rematch clause in this anyway. No, there's no rematch clause. But he he gets to decide. He determine where that fight. Uh, you know, I think he wants that fight in Australia. But you know, I, I think that's at the this, most logical fight. At this fight. point, that's not going to happen. Yeah. With everything that's going on in the world, I mean, UFC fighters traveling mm. from Australia is a killer. I mean, yeah. Adesanya um, Whitaker is going to come out, and the place to do that is Australia. They ain't going to be able to do that. Yeah, they, they would love to do that, but that ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? So but that don't, that don't deter Cambosis because Cambosis has been fighting. Has been the away fighter anyway. In, obviously, came to the UK to fight Selby. He's come to America. He came to America on his eleventh fight. So. He don't matter where it is, and it's a massive fight. And obviously, Matchroom are going to obviously promote that fight. And listen, he's 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 got all the belts, and it's all funny now because all the all these super featherweights and all these other lightweights are now coming out of the woodwork and saying that they want to fight Cambosis now because you know Shakur Stevenson, who beat Gerald Herring in October, come out and said he wants to fight him now. Uh, you got guys like um, obviously Haney's come out and said rightly so. And also the other guy, Garcia, who beat uh, Luke Campbell. So Because they, they, they believe he's the easy... But it's, a, it's not an easy, easy nice work. No, yeah. but that's what they believe. Yeah. It's yeah. the same as, as, as Canelo moving up yeah. and fighting um, my man, whatever his name is. He picking that Arbor, guy yeah. because out of every all the champions, that's the easiest one. In his head, on paper, yeah. that's the easiest guy. And that's how people are going to target 
Combosos, where some of these guys, apart from probably Devin Haney, would step in there with mm. Tiafimo right yeah. now. Yeah. Where the others will yeah, wait and so, see what so happens. Much. Yeah, not yeah. so much. You know, but that's what happens. That happens in boxing. Um, right, let's go on to a bit of a comedy show in my eyes, anyway. <laughs> it was announced. You told me it was gonna be announced before yeah. it got announced. I think it got announced what two days ago, maybe yesterday. Yeah, Khan and signed had, the papers. Yeah. And they had a press conference today. Amir Khan versus Kel Brook has been finally booked and announced. When's the fight? February the 19th. Oh, February at, the 19th. At uh, the Manchester Arena. Or okay. the AO Arena in Manchester. Um, I'll let you have your thoughts on it first and then I'll give mine. The, these two should have fought about six, seven years ago. You, you know, when they were relevant. These are two washed up <clears throat> British fighters. Agreed. Where <laughs> it doesn't make no sense. I, I, to them, it makes sense. You know, they want to get, you know, they want to get the most. This is a retirement fund, really. They're both That's getting all paid it is, really. dollars. That's yeah. all it is. It's a retirement fund. It's on box office, which is scandalous. It's not a pay-per-view worthy fight now. And there's nowhere else for Khan to go. You know, Khan for years has been ducking Brooke. Yeah. He's always said, oh, you know, fight someone of worthy, no, win no, a world th- title. Sorry, so there is somewhere to go. Your bed. <laughs> Just go to bed. Yeah, but Just Khan, forget it because... But Khan likes a pound note. And yeah, obviously, this is why properly. he's doing this. There's no yeah. other reason why he's mm. doing this apart from that is money. Mm. He's willing, ri- sorry, willing at this point to risk it all because mm. he wasn't willing to risk nothing before. Yeah. When, he had options. Yeah, he did. And he, to be fair to Khan, he's always taken the big options. He's yeah. always taken the baddest test, the hardest mm. test. He's always done that. But yeah, go on, finish your bit. I don't know. Yeah. The, the, like I said, man, like I said, he's, you know, he, Brooke has done everything that Khan has asked for. And, you know, he's become a world champion. He's had the big fights. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what weight this is at. Because if this is at 147. I think advanced, it is. I heard yeah. in the press conference them talking and Amir Khan was saying, well, Kelbrook was moaning yeah. about you're making me come to 147. And Amir Khan saying, well, that's because I'm a world weight. Yeah. And Kelbrook says, you said before to me that you'll fight me at any weight. And he's saying, like, but we're what weights, so let's just fight at 147. Like, it's not my fault that you ballooned. Like, which has got a point. Yeah. Um, but obviously Kel's saying, listen, you're looking for the advantage. But I mean, it's all just nonsense, to be honest. It's just nonsense. It shouldn't be happening. I'm sorry. I agree with you. Five five years ago at the tops, you know. Yeah, tops. Should it have happened? Yeah. Amir Khan, you have no chin now. I'm sorry. You've been knocked out cold many times now, many times in your career. You got knocked out early on by Prescott and you recovered really well to 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 make a career and a legacy of your of your mm. career. And then you, oh, you, Danny, Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia. Listen, and, and to be honest, Amir Khan in every yeah. single fight he gets knocked out, he's winning. Yeah, he's winning. Mm. He was beating Canelo. Yeah, he was beating Garcia, and he was beating Garcia up. To be honest, he was way mm. too quick for Garcia, and then Garcia mm. just timed him and mm. put him to sleep. And and I like I look at this and I think. 
like who I, I'll ask you after who's got more mm. to lose, but I, I can't answer that at this moment. I just think that Khan has no chin and Kell Brook's face is weak. Um, and they could both lose. Mm. They could both lose this fight. If you were to ask me who's favorite, Kell Brook. Kell Brook is favorite mm. just because of the way he fights. Yeah, the accuracy. Because he's not going to rely on, on, on speed. And Emir Khan has always relied on speed. Mm. He's always faster than everyone, and that carries him. And then, listen, he, he's had fights where, he, look, Maldana, he was a zombie yeah. for that 11th round. He was basically finished. Like how he survived that was crazy. But fair news to him. Mm. And, and Amir Khan has a legacy. It's just, he's been in some good fights. He's fought some great fighters that would go down to some greats. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he didn't want to put any of that on the line against another UK guy. Pussy and out, yes. Then you could argue, but I'm getting the bigger fights anyway. So really, am I a pussy because I'm just not wanting to fight you, but I'm willing to fight anybody else. You know what I mean? But I, I just don't think this should be happening. I definitely ain't paying for it. I, I, I can't see me paying for it. Um, I just think it's sad. And also... I listened to a bit of the press conference <laughs> and I want to punch them both. <laughs> their, their accents. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no yeah, disrespect yeah. to anyone up north. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not my people up north. <laughs> That's not racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the way these two dickheads speak, yeah, and then they're like, they're dissing this shit as well. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was going to do a Kelbrook accent because I, I think <laughs> I could do it kind of good, yeah, but I'm not going to do it right now because I can't because I don't want to embarrass myself. But, like, yeah, they're just irritating, both of them. I want them, you know what I want to happen? They both punch each other at the same time, both get knocked out. Yeah, double count out. Yeah, that's what what I want to happen. Um, Who's got more to lose and who's favourite? I think Amir Khan's has got way more to lose because you, if you compare both of their careers together, you know, Amir Khan's probably had more of a decorated career. Yeah. Looking at, look at his amateur, you know, gold, med- uh, sorry, silver, silver medalist, medal, yeah. silver medalist, you know, at the, uh, at the said, he, he getting knocked out and bouncing back. Yeah, bouncing back. He's, he's, he was, he was, he was, he, he done well at, at 140 to win the world titles, never really made, done it at, at welterweight. Kelbrook was always playing catch up. Kel, you know, Kelbrook's had a good career. He beat Sean Porter in his back garden to win the IBF title. Shouldn't have got it. Shouldn't have fought Golovkin. You know, lost a competitive fight to Errol Spence, and obviously he got he just got beaten up by Crawford. So he's been in with, with the best of the best. But listen, I, I think Khan's the one. That's why I believe he wanted to make it one four seven because I think Kell Brook is going to even, even though Kell Brook by hook or crook will, will make it to one four seven, but he'll be dead on his feet. Yeah, he will make it. He'd just look, be dead on his look, feet. Look, he 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 might not even need to 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 get to them. Yeah. To them hard rounds. Do you know what I mean? I I, I think Carl starts well. He does well. He starts really well. His accuracy. He starts, is, is, he starts is in your face. He starts yeah. sharp. He just starts to wither. Yeah. Towards the end, because he doesn't really move too much. He mm. he he reminds me of. I know it's crazy because one's a boxer, one's MMA fighter, but he reminds me a bit of Jose Aldo. Where they both kind of sit in range and then rely on their reflexes to get out of the yeah. way and then counter on you, yeah. and that's what Kel does. Got a decent jab, Kel as well. Um, but I think early on, that's all. That's what Kel is going to feel. That's all he needs. 
early on, if I touch him in them first three, four rounds, I'll knock him out and it'll be over. Mm. Where Amir Khan, as I said, he relies on speed and when you rely on speed, it's dangerous because you're older now. Yeah. So your power won't go, but your speed will, will go and your reflexes. And um, so that's why I'm saying Kel would be yeah, favourite yeah. for me. But yeah, I just... I think Khan's got to take Brook to, to high water. Yeah, yeah, he has to. Yeah, he has to. He has to. Um, can he do that? I don't know. No. I don't know because apart from his speed shots, I don't know what else he's going to rely on. Is he going to rely on a better yeah. jab? I, I don't know. I don't. Not not at this stage of his career. Not not what I've seen. Hmm. Um, and as I said, Kel and both of them. This is the sad thing because in their last maybe two three fights, I've both seen them look really bad mm. against shit fighters. Remember Kel fought that guy in, who was he? I don't know if he was from Ukraine, oh. Kazakhstan or something. And he, he caused Kel some problems. Like, oh yeah, I think, I think he, no, I think he's, um, he, he fought at one uh, five, four. Uh, he fought this, I think it was an Australian guy. He fought and he was struggling. Maybe was just, it might have been him, but he was struggling. He was struggling. It might have been him. Yeah, he might be right. He was struggling. And Amir Khan, I've seen struggle who was it? The guy did the guy knock him down? The guy knocked him down, didn't it? Big yeah. knockdown. Oh, I can't yeah. remember who it was. Was it the one that um Connor Ben beat when he should have should have oh I can't remember what his name is. Um oh, the one where he beat is it Garcia? No, not Garcia. It's a uh, Spanish. Is that his name? That's not him. <laughs> that was Wikipedia and some <laughs> Indian actor. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let's look at it. Because I need to know the person's name. I know, but there was there was talk, talking, about, too slow, talking yeah. about Conor Ben. I know Conor Ben was mooted, you know, was offered to to fight Amir Khan, but Amir Khan declined it because you know, rightly so. Conor Ben hasn't really beaten anyone of. Was of it no. Billy Dib? Yeah. No, no, that was that was that wasn't him. It was this guy. Samuel Varg- was it Varga? No, no, it was Greco. Him. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't Lugreco. He knocked out Lugreco. No, it was Vargas. It, it was Vargas. It was, Vargas. It was yeah, Samuel yeah. Vargas. Yeah. Yeah, Samuel Vargas gave. I'm not saying he's a shit fighter, but I'm just saying that was a sign where to me they look old. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 the same with um Kel Brook as well. Like those fights are like this guy looks old. I think um, one of what one of Amir Khan's best victories was De- against Devin Alexander over 12 rounds in America, man. He looked very quick, he was sharp, and he Yeah, yeah, he and I look good punch. in that fight. Really Top top notch, and I think you know Devin Alexander's no mug man. He's 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 yeah. a former world champion, but yeah, speeds decline now for for Khan man. Um, any the fights coming up this weekend? Yeah, any fights this, coming up this weekend? Good ones. Yeah, it's a yeah it's a rematch. Uh, you know Anthony Yard against um, Lyndon Arthur. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a good fight. I feel sorry for Lyndon Arthur because you know he won that fight the first time round, and obviously Yard was the guy that. Thought he won, but he's the A side, so he was going to get the his side, yeah. And then the fact that this fight again is in London in the, on his doorstep, it's a bit of a disrespect to, to Lyndon. Boys, man, he makes me sick, bro. Uh, well, it's Frank Warren to blame, to be honest, because to be honest with you, after the first fight, it, it doesn't even warrant a, a rematch. Because even though uh, uh, Lyndon lost, you know, his, his right hand was uh, was gone, he was just boxing with his left, left, just a left jab for, for the 12 throughout the 12 rounds. I know. And New York kind of hit it, rocked him in the in the last round, but yeah, it wasn't you know. Listen, it a very different fight. Victory. This rematch, though, 
yeah. very different because well, yeah. my man's approach has to be completely different to what it was first. Yeah. As I said, he, 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 like, he tries to be a model in there. Yeah. Like, I'm like, why are you trying to look like you're some world class? You're not world class. Stop do, yeah. acting like that. Like you yeah. moving like you're Mayweather. You're not Mayweather. You're some big brute. Like just be a yeah. brute and just fucking win the fight. Like, and it only like he started to put it on him towards the end. Yeah. Because he was panicking a bit, and then he was pissed after with the scorecard like a knob. Like and Lyndon and Arthur, I thought deserved to win. Yeah. Um. Because, and the other fight. Uh. The other fight. You. Uh. Yes. Uh. Tanks back. Tank. Tear. Javante Davis. Man. He's entertaining. What a guy to watch, bro. Against um, he's he's had a change of opponents. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he was gonna fight that dickhead. Yeah, but my oh, man that got flashy himself. little prick. Yeah, but my man got himself. I don't know what his name is. In the dustbin, but I think it was. Uh, I can't remember because he's defending his WBA uh, world lightweight title. Uh, obviously, Cambosis has got the the super title, so he's fight, He's got the regular it's, title. It's Isaac um, Diaz. Yeah, so Isaac Diaz is deputizing in there. For Cruz, who was uh, incarcerated for antics, I won't say, but oh, uh, is it? Uh, yeah, some uh, the, uh, yeah, some antics. Yeah, yeah he's a, a he's an idiot. Anyway, you can see him yeah. doing all stripping because he thinks he's something. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, Javante Davis, like you said, man, exciting fighter, man. For such a small guy, he's got such a long reach and his the power. The power is tremendous, man. Bro, um, he's just like an aggressive Mayweather. Bro. Yeah, he's, he's just got very back. good reflexes, very good reflexes, yeah. and power. Yeah, power. What I mean, his last two performances have been spectacular. Yeah, my you know, man, wasn't last... it Santa Cruz and the yeah, last he... dude? That was a that guy's a good fighter as well. That last he, gave, he gave him some problems in the last fight. In the last fight, um, I know he, he dispatched of Santa Cruz. I mean, Santa Cruz. Yeah, he's not made for for, for lightweight. I, I suggest he goes back down to super feather. It, was it Barrios? Barrios gave him problems, man. He get he could fight because yeah. he's long. Yeah, he had to work him out a bit, but so if you that, wanted, that, that, that's what you like to see. Someone mm. he had to work his his, his way out of, mm. and he worked it out, man. Mm. And and he looked good, man. I like to see obviously obviously hopefully he wins this. You know, he's new at the weight at one forty. You know, I'd like to see him against Progress, who's fought uh, Josh Taylor in the, the finals of the World Super Series. That could be a good fight. But yeah, man, Javon is a special fighter, man, and I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. Twenty-five on Sunday. wins, twenty-four knockouts. Yeah, listen, he's moving mad right now. <laughs> um, okay, let's. Dan said he was going to join, but hopefully he joins in time. Um, yeah, let's go on MMA now. Yeah, and this will be the final section. Um, Yeah, right. so yeah, go on. I was gonna say there's a fight night this this weekend. Um, the top of the bill is Font versus Aldo in the featherweight. Di- sorry, not feather, Bant- sorry, Bant- Bant- Bantamweight division. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ren, what's, what's your thoughts on the on that on that uh, main main event? Great matchup, man. Great matchup, man. This is this card. The the the, the main and the co. We'll just talk about the. Main and the go, and then we'll just let you know what the other fights are. But yeah, I mean, first of all, the main and the bantamweight, the bantamweight division is fantastic. Like arguably the best division in um in the UFC. Um, Rob Font, one of the best boxers 
in 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 UFC. Um, and Jose Aldo, a man who listen, I know Habib had certain things to say about him and say that he's kind of past his prime, and he may be, but he's 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 got, he's a special special athlete, man. Special mm. athlete, special fighter. Um, his reflex, his cat-like reflex has always been wonderful. He's just showed that he can slow down in certain fights, but I think he's starting to become a bit more methodical in his approach. He's, he's, um, I'm hearing that he's heavily training on his boxing, like with um, the Brazilian Navy or something. Um, and you've saw signs of that. His boxing was always decent. He's always had decent hands. As I said, he reminds me of Kel Brook, the way that he, he, yeah. he's in range and he just dips and, and do you know what I mean? He doesn't really move his feet too much. Um, but yeah, great fight. Will Jose Aldo bring out the kicks? Could that be something that causes Rob Font problems? Not sure, but it should be a great fight. Should be a great fight, and I'm glad it's the main event because five rounds. Because they could have put this on a pay per view card and, and and put it somewhere um, lower down the card, maybe a co main or something, and it wouldn't have been five rounds. So yeah, this is a type of fight. Especially this could be a. I mean, especially if Rob Font wins. If Rob Font wins this, I mean, well, look at the rankings quickly. Do you, do you, do you think Rob, if Rob wins, he could potentially be next in line? He could be. He could be. He's ranked number four at the moment, and and Aldo is number five. Obviously, Aldo has lost to Poirier before. That's how Poirier became the champion, and then obviously he got disqualified against Aljamain, so he lost the belt, and now he's getting the interim belt. So he's Aldo. If he wins, is not going to get that rematch. Yeah, the UFC ain't going to do that. But if Aldo wins, he could put himself in line for a, for a number one contender against maybe TJ. TJ Dillashaw is out injured at the moment. So maybe that. Because um, I don't know what they're going to do with Corey Sanhagen at the moment. As I said, I think I said it before. I would like to see Corey fight Marab. Because I think Marab deserves a fight like that. Um, and that would be interesting because very different fighters. Contrast and, and styles and stuff. Uh, but if, if Rob Font wins this, um, obviously... Again, Corey, it could be, it could put him in line for Corey. If they really believe that, look, Corey has, in his last two fights, put himself out well against Dillashaw, maybe won that fight. And then Yan, okay, fairly beaten in Myers, fairly beaten in even his eyes. Um, yeah, it's just what they want to do. But if, if Rob wins, as I said, I, I think Rob should get Dillashaw when he comes back, if he comes back in time. Um, because I don't know when Aljamain Sterling and Yana fighting. I'm not sure when that's gonna happen. So it's a big boy fight, man. It's a big boy fight. Every time you think Aldo's out of the picture, he kind of pulls himself back in. Um, so you wouldn't be surprised if Aldo goes out and wins this, man. Seriously, because in his last few fights, he's he's fought in a way where he gets himself by by timing a. Uh, wrestling at the right time or, or not keeping himself in range too much and just not putting up too much output, but just concentrating on being accurate. Um, and that's do, what do you put that fight. down to experience now? Obviously that veteran type of instinct kicking in now, being able just to do enough to, to win. Yeah. And also you have to understand that Aldo's 
was featherweight champion. Yeah. And people thought for featherweight he was big, struggled to make featherweight. And and could he go up to lightweight? I mean, lightweight might have been pushing it, but he was struggling at times to make featherweight. But then he just reinvented himself and, and took it really serious. And all credit to him, man. What a champion. And and and, and went down a weight to bantam weight. And you thought, geez, how's he going to do this? And there's times where you thought, oh, and I think that's where he's had to change his style and, and, and he's been really professional about it. And um, I think he knows that the output, he can't gas himself out at this weight. Um, so I think he's fighting a lot more, as I said, a, a lot more um, calculated and, and, and is not committing himself on getting himself tired by just throwing useless, waste, wasteful punches, power punches. He's, he's making sure he, 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 he um, lands with, with whatever he throws. So, a great fight, man. A, one to watch. If you, if you haven't watched Rob Font, watch that fight. I'm telling you. Um, and quickly, the co-main, before I just tell you the rest of the card, the co-main is a great fight, man. I mean, this is a fight. If matchmakers give them a round of applause because I would have made this fight. Not like I'm a genius, but that is this is the fight to make. 12th ranked lightweight Brad Riddell trains um, from New Zealand, trains with Idra Alessandra, Dan Hooker, um, and also a teammate of um, Alex Volkanovsky. And then Rafael Fazib, who's ranked number 14. Um, maybe he's had one defeat yeah one defeat from Kazakhstan I'm not sure if he is from Kazakhstan I think he's from Kyrgyzstan Um, anyway both kickboxers both fantastic kickboxers Um, Fazeev is actually a coach uh, a coach at um, a big kickboxing gym in Thailand um, so he's trained with people at Poyan and stuff like that. He's, he's coached them. These two have actually sparred. Uh, I think Fazeev said only only once or something. Um, but this will be a great fight, man. Riddell's career in the UFC has been nothing but entertainment. He's held his blows, but he stayed in fights and and, and come through. Um, and Fazeev has, has, has just been too technical for guys. His striking is on point, powerful. That's a fight to watch out for. Um, also on the card, on the main card, Clay Guida versus Leonardo Santos, a lightweight, great light heavyweight fight, interesting fight. Um, Jimmy Crew, who lost his last fight after he took a leg kick and his, his, his I think his perennial nerve was, was hit and his ankle gave out on him and he couldn't continue the fight. And that was against Anthony Smith and Jamal Hill, Got his first defeat in MMA. He was defeated by Paul Craig from Scotland. Um, broke his arm horribly. Um, it was horrible, horrible. Um, so that should be a good fight because they're both looking to bounce back. And also Chris Curtis is bouncing back really quickly. He fought, I think it was just just a few weeks ago. He's coming out to fight Brandon Allen, who's crafty middleweight. That should be a good fight as well. Um just want to look at the prelims for myself. Mackie Patolo versus 
Todorovich. That that should be a good fight. But now Cape is on the guard as well. Jake Matthews. Um, well, <laughs> light heavyweights. Alonzo Menefield versus William Knight. That should be a banger as well. So there's some good fights on, good fights on this card, man. Um, Alex Moreno versus Mickey Gore. Yeah, some really good fights. So interesting card, man. Um, was there anything else? Yeah, um, Benil Daryush versus Makashev has been booked for a main event in February. Um, both lightweight contenders. Um, that should be that could be a number one contender. There should be a number one contender. Daryush, if I'm right, is ranked third. I think Makashev is maybe fifth at the moment. I'm not sure. He possibly fourth. Let's have a look quickly. Where is he? Yeah, Makashev is fourth and Dayush is third. Um, so that means Justin Gaethje will get the winner of um, Charles Oliveira and Poirier, that main event, um, that title fight, which is later in December. Um. Yeah, go on, David. The last news. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of news surrounding Conor McGregor. A lot of people have been calling him out, uh, especially for a match next 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 year fight next year. Uh, Remo, what what do you think? What's your thoughts on that? You know, the, the individuals. I know Chandler's been calling him out. Holloway's been calling him out. A few others. What do you think the best route for McGregor? Well, first of all, McGregor doesn't go away. Mm. He's always on Twitter doing something, either talking shit or he's putting a video of him doing some madness. Like when Holloway was fighting, he was walking yeah. up and down <laughs> like he's ready to fight. Like yeah. Holloway's not even in his division. This guy can't fight right now. Um, I understand it. Chandler, I understand it. Chandler's choosing his words really well to suck Connor's knob as much as he can to try and get that fight. He talks about it not being a money fight and being kind of like a legacy fight. And I understand that, but let's just be honest. You're fighting him for money. Chandler, yeah. it looks like Chandler's mind is going away from titles now. Do you know what I mean? When he came to UFC, he said, I'm here to be champion. Sorry, won his debut against Dan Hooker in the first round, then almost became champion in his next fight against Charles Oliveira. Had Oliveira hurt bad in the first, then got knocked out in the second round. And then had that war with Justin Gaethje, which some people are like, your game plan was just here for entertainment, not to win. Mm. So, for me, hitting in the direction that Chandler calling out McGregor, I don't think you're thinking about a title because McGregor is coming back from a leg break. And he ain't nowhere near a title, to be honest, because, I mean, he's had one win at lightweight in his career. And he's got, like, three, four defeats. So, but I understand it. <clears throat> I understand it from Chandler. He's getting older as well. Um, and it would be entertaining. It would be an entertaining fight. It would be a fight he feels he can win. Um, Max Holloway, it would be a rematch that Max definitely wants to get back. And at this point in his career, Max would feel he could win. And I think he could. Definitely. Um, 
I think the remedy to beat Conor McGregor if you're a striker is don't get caught too early. Try and weather that storm and 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 try and just counter him when you can. Don't don't commit yourself, but counter him when you can. Get through that first round. Let him use up his energy, and then he slows down, and then it becomes a fairer fight, and then you become the better fighter the longer the fight goes on. To be honest, especially if you're someone like Max, who's got cardio. And great striking. A Chandler, you've got wrestling. Take him down. Would it be easy? Might not be easy, but because Connor will be expecting it, but that could open up chances for your hand. And Max, I'm sorry, Max. Um, Chandler has big power. So that would be a tricky fight for, for McGregor. So look, at this point, the guy can't fight. So this is kind of irrelevant in a way. He's talking about when he comes back, he's going to have a title fight. Listen, that's just kind of talking shit for talking shit. Could that happen? Of course it could, because this is the UFC. And Conor McGregor is Conor McGregor. Do you what see is- that happen? Do you see that? Sorry to cut. Do you see that happening if, if Poirier beats Oliveira and he's, he's lightweight champion? Do you see that? You see that, uh, that a fourth fight? What, with, for um, the belt? For the belt. That's probably what he's probably well, angling, angling at. Of course, he's going to angle at that, but time-wise, timeline-wise, no, mm. because Justin Gaethje is there. Yeah. He is on the spot. So he's just got to step up, take that one step up, and he's there. So he's in position for that. He's at the door, basically. He's waiting for the door to open, and he's going to walk in. There's no way Conor McGregor's pushing in front of him with a broken leg. Mm. Um. I don't think Connor should come straight back and fight Poirier anyway. Because you need to fight somebody else. You need to fight somebody else. You need to get your career back on terms. You need to do... <clears throat> you, you need a win. And fighting Poirier again and getting beat, if you get beat, is, is that's, that's not good for you, mate. So, no, nah, I, I don't... I, I, I wouldn't want to see that. Listen, there's Nate Diaz fight out there as well. Um, one day, could he fight Islam Makashev and bring up that rivalry again with Habib? That's possible. So, they, they were all interesting fights because it's Conor McGregor, but if you're talking about titles, nah. Nah, he's, he's so long away from that. Dan, welcome. You've arrived Sorry, for the sir. last literally five minutes because <laughs> we've gone through literally apologies. everything. We was on the last point. Um, I'll let you just quickly go back on your thoughts quickly. Um, Font versus Aldo first. Yeah. That fight. I think it's a good matchup. So it's, uh, it's um. I think with with Aldo, it's it's that one that kind of sets him on the. He's he's, he's had a little streak. I'm not saying it puts him straight in the title thing, but it definitely puts him up there or thereabouts. Puts him back on that road, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, not not to to knock the people he's fought, but because he was coming off of some losses and he's kind of building his way back. And it's like, it's kind of kind of that thing to show that maybe he's not the gatekeeper. Yeah. Which some yeah. which some of them earlier lost the, the losses he had was kind of making him look like. Yeah. But he's kind of running himself back, and and it's it's a it's a it's a big thing in the way he's done it at bantamweight as well. Because not many people at his age. Or, just, or, or over there in their 30s, drop weights, they usually yeah. go up. Yeah. 
So he's showing that he's he's definitely about it. Mm. And I think um so yeah, with the the little run he's on and if he, if he gets the win over Font, he definitely puts himself kind of there or thereabouts in 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 the mix up. You've been impressed with Rob Font? Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, in the beginning I, I kind of slept on him. It was it was you talking him up mm. that kind of made me sit up and take kind of notice of him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But think, I think it's you, you, you. What What do you think a win does for him? For Font, mm. he's four. He's ranked four now, and the, if you can see, he's, he, that's who's ahead of him. Obviously, he has never fought Corey. He's never fought TJ. He's never fought Yan. Never fought Stones. He's never fought any of them guys above him. But then I think so. If if, if Font wins, and I know as much as TJ's kind of what he wants the title shot as well. Depending on what the title fight or when it takes place or how it, it shakes up, you you put Font in with Dillashaw, maybe. That's what I said. If Dillashaw, it's the timing for him coming back from his injuries. Yeah. So like I said, you, don't, you don't know what's going to happen between Aljo and Peter. Yeah. yeah. If it's going to be a war or someone's going to get things. So, and then they're probably not going to want to go straight into another defense. Mm. And then you throw Font Dillashaw as a, a contender, number one contender fight. Um. Dayush versus Makashev has been booked for a main event in February. What do you that. what do you feel? What do you feel about that? So that obviously means Justin Gaethje will be next for the title. Yeah. Um, you think it's the right thing? Yes. As much as you could, you could people could make the the shout for Makachev to to get a title shot. I think it's um. He beats that next one. Like you said, if he beats Dayush, then he's there because you got Paul Reagan to fight Oliveira. Then it comes out of that. Now you say, if Gaethje gets next, so then it's kind of between them two for who gets after that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or depending if you never know the way some man do just, I want to fight and then they lose and then they might lose this spot. But I think if he sets himself up for that next one in there as well, but I think it'll be a very good matchup as well. And a challenge for, for Makachev as well. He's been told, I watched an interview with Habib today, mm. um, that Habib done today, that Makachev has been told that he will get the title shot if he wins. And they mm. give him extra incentive. If he stops him, they're going to give him a double bonus. No shit. Yeah, that's what Habib said. He goes, I don't know if Dariush has got the same deal, but he goes, I know Islam has. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's 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 a decent. It's a good matchup. And it kind and, of, so yeah, it well, kind of fixes things up in the, the the top of that division. Those you kind of got a, a pathway rather than some of these. Arguing over, unless your way unless to unless Connor comes in and tries to book a money fight or something with, with someone. <laughs> well, talking about Connor, that's that's what I was just talking about because, as David said, he's being called out by Chandler Holloway. Yeah. I know he had a little. Twitter thing with with Yan, where Yan was like, fuck weight classes, I'll fight you anyway. Um, obviously, he spoke about the Nate Diaz recently, said that he'll do that. He spoke about Usman recently, saying yeah. that he saw holes in Usman's game. I read he that Col- one, yeah. He fought Colby one. Um, he's talked about literally nearly everybody. You know he's just trying to stay relevant, but he expects a 2022 return. Yeah, I read that one as well. What, what, yeah. what do you 
Now, it's still early, it's still hindsight, and we don't know what the picture's going to look like. I mean, does the picture really matter to Conor because he's Conor McGregor? Um, <laughs> yeah, w- w- what fight do you think logically it, it makes sense for his return? I mean, with Conor, he's not going to want to fight the guys just kind of around his ranking, considering he's at a nine. He's going to want there or thereabouts. If he's not getting a title shot, he wants a top three or four, but they're kind of booked. Well, he's they're not going to get top three or four anyway, because... No, but that's what I'm saying. Fight. No, I'm saying, but that's what he wants, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, no, obviously, no. if he was to come back and Dayush was to lose to Islam and it lined up timing-wise, then that's hmm. the highest guy he could possibly get. Yeah. Is he going to fight Justin Gaethje? I, I, I just don't see it. Poirier, it depends if Poirier was to lose. Does he want to, up the fight, but would it be a smart thing to jump straight back in with Poirier though after breaking your leg and you lose it to the guy twice? Michael Chandler's called him out. I mean, Chandler's called him out, but I don't know. Maybe one that could be thing is um even though so if he doesn't get fingers if he, he goes in with Ferguson man, them two have been fucking they've they've been beefing back and forwards for for years now. It'd be a nice little fight because they both like to chat shit. It'll be entertaining. Yeah. If if he if because I think to jump straight back in after thing and then go for Chandler, I don't know if it's the smart move, but by then Chandler could have another fight. Yeah, and depending what happens, I guess if Chandler was to lose, I mean, it puts him closer to, to Connor's rank. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts him close to Connor's ranking, but I, I think Connor will be like, "Why well, do I want to fight this guy?" But I don't know. I off the back know. of that, off the back of that Gaethje fight, I think for what Conor wants, it'll sell tickets. What I was saying about Chandler is, to me, Chandler calling out Conor the way he is so badly, like he's almost kissing his ass okay. in a way. Do you know what I mean? He say it's not about the money. It's not. It is about the money. It's it is about. Of course, it is. He's the one who said, "I've come into the UFC is for a short time, and he, he needs to make that change." Right. And and my point is, he's. He's now moving away from title shot talk. Yeah. Where I think he's given up on the title. I think no, he's, he's 35-36. He's, he's just lost to Justin Gaethje. Yeah. He, he, he lost to Oliveira. Um, obviously, he got that win against Dan Hooker. But I think if you're calling out Conor McGregor, you're thinking about walking away. Yeah, like you, you want, want that last pay packet and yeah. you're, you're, you're going to go, which I understand. But, I mean, he came in and just, what was it, 18 months ago, a little more than 18 months ago, this guy was giving the talk like he's going to be the best in the world. Obviously, things change because you get humbled and you lose and, and whatever. And he probably still believes that he could beat Charles on his day because he knew he beat Charles anyway. I mean, but, that first round, he was on it, but then he just, that second round just got done. And the next fight is huge for him because, I mean, I don't know who he gets. Yeah. Depending where people like, Faziva, mm. because Faziva is fighting Riddell this weekend, or, or maybe even Riddell. Um, I don't know, maybe even someone like Gregor Gillespie. If Gregor was to get a decent fight next and win it. Um, Did you end up with that rest of us as wrestling? Didn't they just stand and bang? I know today, mm. our man Sayukin against Joel Alvarez has been booked. I don't know if it's got a okay. date yet. But that's a great fight. 
Sayuki is a brilliant fighter. Even someone mm. like Sayuki, this is what I'm saying. This lightweight division, you could argue Sayuki and Fazeev, even Alvarez of what he's shown, they could all easily be in the top 10 and yeah. swapped with Ferguson, Hooker, McGregor. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think this, division, this division now just looks amazing now that Khabib's out of the, the picture. Yeah. Because it looks like anyone could beat anyone on their day. And it's, it's great now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, to watch Khabib fight was just like, was like a see? masterclass. It was amazing to watch. But he did. He, he, he wiped out that division. We'll, we'll see what Islam does. Mm. Because Islam looks like he could do the exact same thing, to be honest. Yeah. And if he does that to Dariush, then people are going to be really like, fuck. Oh, yeah. But I think that that's the thing as well with um, having the Dayush fight. It kind of, it's that top three guy and it kind of, obviously we're all talking about him, his thing, but, and obviously he, he fought Hooker and this, that, and the other, but then if he has this guy mm. to fight and then it's finally, yeah, this guy is the real deal. Yeah. All right, David. Yeah. You still there, mate? Still there. <laughs> still there listening in, you know what I mean? Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it, man. Talk us out. Yeah. Um, been a good episode. Uh, remember to subscribe and, and listen to the, the the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And um, thanks, Dan, for the, 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 the late, the late uh, intro there coming in, <laughs> sneaking through the back door, as it were. Uh, don't forget and, the Twitter. At the yeah, underscore t- warm underscore down. Same yeah. for the Instagram as well. But lowercase. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Rem. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. Peace. Done that so quick, or was he already? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you know what?